Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please help us out by subscribing on Spotify. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. Every download really does help, so thank you so much for keeping this podcast going. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. For years, the best podcasters from around the world have gathered to review, reminisce, and riff on popular franchises. They've assembled Earth's mightiest superheroes, busted their fair share of ghosts, unplugged from the Matrix, I know Kung Fu, kept a watchful eye on Gotham City, Discovered the secrets of Jurassic Park. And other audio adventures. But there were some movies that didn't make the cut. From the creators of Podcasters Assemble comes a movie hype series hosted by a motley crew of talent. You probably know this fun fact. He said this this is a quote. The Sphinxes are quite one of the biggest embarrassments of the film. <laughs> then goes to say on they are full bosomed strippers who sit there in the desert. They were they pretty are. like I my mean... husband goes, they didn't have fake boobs in the eighties. I'm like, well, it looks like they did. <laughs> Podcasters disassemble. And another, yes, another time for Podcasters Disassembled. This time, though, we didn't choose the movie. You chose the movie. We did the poll. It went on for, I think, a month. And uh, we'll, I'll let Eric, uh, Eric Slater, go into a bit more details about that. But uh, welcome back, Eric. Good to have you. Glad to be here. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to say that we had like 10 votes and I want to say like half of them were for this movie. <laughs> Ten whole votes. Double digits. We made it, Eric. That's we right. We finally did it. <laughs> we tried something a little differently with that poll, so, you know. Well, that was on the Patreon, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. And we had, what, Breakfast Club was another one. Uh, it was up against, yeah, Fight, Fight Club, Club, Breakfast Club, and Club. Highlander, which is like the weirdest mix. <laughs> it was it was an odd mixture to come to that, but uh, but we ended up here with never ending never ending story, and we're joined by uh, perhaps the better half of Hops Geek News, Lauren. Thank you very much, Lauren, for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't believe I had to uh, rewatch this movie after like thirty plus years. <laughs> but and when I saw what it was up against, I was like, wow, these are some great. Well, Highlander's all right. Sorry if I offended <laughs> anybody. <laughs> but I guess you know we can only pick one, and you guys pick Never Ending Story. So uh, we're we're doing this because it's what everybody would like to watch or or watch and listen, listen to, I guess. Listen uh, to but us for those, talk about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tear it apart, cry a little bit, have a have a session later. Uh, Lauren, for those that are not familiar with Hops Geeks News, uh, I I love the series and all of your episodes and how 
deep you dive into, especially a lot of backstories. But can you give us the ele- elevator speech? Uh, yeah. So we're basically a geek pop culture podcast that drinks craft beer. So each week we get together, we drink a beer, uh, we talk about what we messed up on the week before. We're actually big on that. We love being called <laughs> out. Or if we said we're going to elaborate on something, we do, we do do it. We follow up the next week. Uh, and we've had some people that like love calling us out. And so they get shout outs regularly. <laughs> and we talk about what we've been reading or watching recent, uh, any sort of news, new Star Wars shows, new Marvel shows, you know, what's going on at Disney Galaxy's Edge. And then we have a main topic. And, you know, like you mentioned with the deep dives, that's one of my favorite things to do before like a Marvel movie will come out. We'll deep, like oh, we just did a deep dive on Adam Warlock to get ready for Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. And we're also prepping May is a big month for us because we do nothing but Star Wars. So we're going to be deep diving a lot of that. We're going to talk about like the Siege of Mandalore. You know, it's a great opportunity for those who have never seen the cartoons to get some background info before like Ahsoka comes out or just to like, you know, refresh your recollection because it's a lot now. (laughs) It's, you know, the Star Wars universe is becoming huge and we're reading the books and the comics and watching the cartoons and and telling you what you don't want to have to learn on your own. But it's a lot of fun. And yeah, my co-host, Matt, has been on here with you guys before. So he's the one that I podcast with. Yeah, we were hoping he would join us, but I know he had uh, something pop up, so he uh, he had to back out. But that's fine. We'll have him back. We'll have you guys both back together. Uh, So I I know he did watch the film, so he was prepped and ready to go. He did. Um, And I can uh, drop in his comments throughout because he was about a half hour (laughs) behind me. And so his text got funnier and funnier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, please, please do at any point, you know, drop in a a Matt uh, comment or a thought as we go through it. Uh, But speaking of, you know, hops geek and and having hops to drink, do you you have a beverage, Lauren? Always. So this one is (laughs) not, uh, usually I'm more of like the New England hazy, uh, but this one Mm -hmm. I actually bought for Matt because he wanted me to buy it. And i it's another 80s icon. It is Kiana Reeves on my can from oh, Tactical whoa. Brewing. It's Kiana nice. Tumble Reeves. And nice since off. this movie came out when I was a child, it is a banana, peanut butter, and strawberry jelly sandwich inspired sour. <laughs> so we always try wow. to pair our beers with the topic of our episodes. Okay. All right. I That's a good pairing. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of selection because I did not prepare nearly as well as you did but i have a imperial red ale from four river brewing here in new england uh i love reds and being an imperial red it is a nice strong red Mm. strong red hands i mean if it says imperial yeah it's usually pretty good it's a 10 percenter so that'll (laughs) be tasty i don't eric i don't know if you prepped for anything I brought water. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. Uh, H2O directly from Cove Springs. So, Ooh, yeah, filtered, what's the uh, <laughs> Right. Um, no idea. <laughs> Filter tap water. That's, that's what I'm calling. If you knew, I'd be, uh, I don't know if I'd be impressed or, uh, or the opposite there. <laughs> I really should test it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I didn't intentionally be like, let me find a beer to theme. I literally pulled it out and then I was like, oh, because sometimes you, we got to stretch, you know, use our imagination yeah. to really make our beers match the topic of what we're talking about. That's so a, that's it was awesome. just a happy accident. Yeah, happenstance. So tonight we are talking about the never ending story. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? 
What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! Enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is The NeverEnding Story. The synopsis is that on his way to school, Bastion ducks into a bookstore to avoid some bullies, sneaking away with a book called The NeverEnding Story. Bastion begins reading it in the school attic, and the novel is all about Fantasia, a fantasy land threatened by the nothing, a darkness that destroys everything it touches. And the kingdom needs the help of a human child to survive. And when Bastion reads a description of himself in the book, he begins to wonder if Fantasia is real and needs him to survive. Now, when did you first see this movie, Lauren? In the 80s, as a child. And honestly... (laughs) That's the last time I watched it too. And the only thing I remembered was the flying dog character. So Falcor, when we yep. put it on, when that was a folklore or fall Fal- Falcor. Falcor finally showed yeah. up. I'm like, that was a Leonardo DiCaprio moment for me. Like, there he is. That's what I remember. <laughs> That's the one. The luck dragon. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Eric? Uh, so I don't know when the first time I saw this was. I definitely saw it as a kid. Uh, most likely in the 90s, in the early 90s for me. Um, But uh, I want to say I saw the second one first, which does not hold up at all. Um, Mm. As opposed to this one, which I do think, I I think this one definitely holds up. I mean, it's definitely very 80s, uh, a lot of practical effects, which is great. Um, But it's one of those movies I've revisited a lot over the years, and each time I get something totally different out of it. Yeah, excited to excited to talk about this one. I probably saw this. It would have been 80s, maybe again in the early 90s, because I, I remember watching the sequel uh, and being not nearly as impressed with it as a kid. So it's not good. I I think <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm there with you, Lauren. I have not seen this for a long time. You know, Longer 80s, than you want to say, because yeah. the math doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. When I did the math, I went, I'm not that old. Damn it, I am. Oh, I am. <laughs> oh, crap. But uh, I remembered loving it as a kid, uh, and uh, there was a excited piece of me going, oh, I'm excited for this, but then also going, oh, the stuff I remember. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember some dark things. Mm-hmm. But but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, taking a look at our, our cast, uh, not a big cast. We've got Barrett Oliver as Bastion uh, in the real world. We got Noah Hathaway as Atreyu. Uh, we also have Tammy Stronach as the childlike empress, who we don't see until the very, very end. And then we have a whole slew of puppeteers, voice actors, people behind makeup, which, you know, the, the creature creation was impressive. 
mm-hmm. that I will heroes. certainly give it props yeah. to for being a 1984 film. Very creative. Uh, it's based off the book, which I've never I've never read. Have either of you read I, the book? No. I actually have. Well, okay, I haven't finished the book because it doesn't end. <laughs> no, uh, um, I, I have. I've read. Um, I want to say the first half of it, and it's one of those that like I just need to get back to one of these days. But I started reading it, I think, during the pandemic. Mm. But uh, it's very different. I will say this is one of those cases where I feel like the movie's better than the book. Uh, maybe that's sacrilege to say, but the weird thing is, it's a German book. So um, I don't know that certain things translated super well. And it's also very dry compared mm-hmm. to uh, the story we get with the with the movie. But um, I did read that the writer of the book, even though he was involved in the movie, he wanted his name to be not on anything. He was not yeah. happy with how it turned out. Yeah, I was surprised to learn that. But um, I guess it makes sense. The tone of the book's very different. So they, they definitely added more whimsy, if that makes sense. You know, it's kind of, you know, even though the movie does go to some dark places, it's overall kind of a hopeful sort of story, you know, um, a lot of optimism. And I didn't really mm-hmm. get that from the book. It was more about the nihilistic dread of the nothing. <laughs> At well, least yeah, that's what I took that, from like, it. They didn't understand what, what the book was about, is what he said to people. And But the people who did the movie, they're like, he worked with us. We don't understand what's going on. Right. Yeah, I would I would argue that he doesn't understand the message of his own material. or Because the, they totally nailed uh, the meaning. It's just the presentation was different, I would say, you know. Um, there's definitely gotcha. like some really deep meaning uh, behind certain things in the movie. And I think they retained that. That's interesting that you say the movie was better than the book because, you know, how it's perceived where you're in the real world and then you're reading a book, it's like Princess Bride. And that's like the only yeah. other movie I've heard people say that about, that the movie's better than the book. Yeah. It definitely gives you princess. I mean, few, even though it's part of the story, few. it still, you know, gives you those Princess Bride, you know, reading the book's vibes. This, no, definitely. This movie, at one point, I made a note about it. It even breaks the, it breaks the wall. It like breaks multiple so walls. Yes. So it breaks, <laughs> it breaks the, right through them. the fourth wall for Bastion mm-hmm. of them talking to him. And then it also breaks the fourth wall to us watching the movie. The princess does because she realizes or, or the empress does because she realizes everything that is happening that we're all just, you know, watching and going on journeys with other people. And I didn't pick up on that until this watch through going, oh, they went another layer. They went another yeah. layer out. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like full Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just exactly. not as violent. Right. <laughs> well, tell that to the horse. Uh, well, jeez, oh, Yeah. I am. My t- so therapy. I watch this with my 10 year old and she's obsessed with stranger things. So I turn it on mm. and she's like, I don't want to watch this. She sings every single word of the entire song because she's seen stranger things so many times. Yeah. Oh, man. And then she gets sucked into it. And then a half hour into it is when they kill mm-hmm. the horse. And she was mad. Like not even sad. She was angry. That's understandable. I, know, I jumped ahead there for a second, but that's <laughs> okay. Well, here, let, we'll let's definitely jump, get into it. <laughs> let's jump into the film so then we can get to all the fun stuff. So the movie starts with the baller opening song that your daughter was belting out, Lauren. Turn around, look at what you see. The cloud effects. And incredible visuals. Yes. The cloud, cloud effects are 
amazing and creepy. It's so good. As, yes. as, as all fuck. Um, <laughs> it's just impressive to watch as, as they're putting it all together. And then we meet Bastion, our, our main character in the real world. He lives alone with his, I, I believe, workaholic dad. And we you find knew the out mom that, was dead immediately. Yeah. He, he pretty yeah, much they yeah. touch on it within the first few minutes mm-hmm. about his mother being dead. And his dad... I I mean I don't we don't know how long his mother's been dead but his dad's definitely a bit of a douche about it of you know quit your moping put you know pull up your pants keep your feet on the ground you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't keep thinking about your dead mom I what it was the 80s <laughs> I was a little thrown off by this scene this time cuz this isn't something I really honed in before but um yeah, I was like, did the dad murder the mom? Because he seems pretty uh, okay with this situation. It was a little weird. <laughs> well, that was at first, I was like, maybe she ran off. And then they flat right. out said she died. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But the dad was the only one that looked familiar other than the one guy that was in the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like the dad's one of those guys that's in oh, so many yeah. different random things. He just had more Oh, yeah. Those- Gerald McRaney is his name barney bucks uh where yeah workaholic fa- father if i'm not mistaken a lot of the cast and crew uh was from europe like uh germany and spain i think a lot of the movie was filmed in spain so um yeah i don't know so i read some something in, about that um, vancouver too i think the streets yes vancouver yeah um exactly all the street stuff <laughs> those cobble cobblestone streets you know I, I, you know, um, I was wondering where it was filmed and then, um, my wife was looking it up and she said, uh, Vancouver. And I was just like, I totally got some Canada vibes from that for some reason, you know, when they film so many things out there too, you know, you got, you know, supernatural and the boys and all these, you know, different shows are filming out there now. Oh yeah. Like everything from the CW. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, being being in the city for the Vancouver shots, you know, we're out now in school. Or well, in in the city as Bastion's mm-hmm. making his way to school, and he is chased down by three bullies that end up throwing him in a dumpster. He ends up uh, escaping. Bullies are waiting for him, so he eludes him by jumping into an old bookstore, where he meets this crotchety old owner who's reading a book and and just doesn't want kids to be there until he finds out that Bastion actually reads books, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea. And I forget the other Treasure ones, Island. but list, Treasure oh, Island. Yeah. He, he was listed. He listed off. off quite a Lord few of the classics, Rings? Yeah. which is mm-hmm. uh, pretty yeah, big for his age. Um, yeah. If he had said the Hobbit, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That that's right. geared more towards the kids, but Lord of the Rings, you go, oh, that's a bit longer. Yeah. I was like mad respect, you know? Um, like, and I was a kid who loved to read. Home. But that was above my reading level at his age. <laughs> oh yeah, I was reading Goosebumps and Babysitters Club. Exactly. Oh, Goosebumps. Lord of the Rings. Yes, so oh, good. Man. Then I moved up to Fear Street. That was taking it oh, up a notch. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I do love this entire library or not library bookstore. Um, and I've always wondered, what is this guy's deal? Is he from Hogwarts? Like, is he a well, wizard? Because that's like, what. That's what I wanted to ask you guys about, because he goes mm. into detail, because Bastion asks about the book that he's reading, and he says, oh, no, all your books are safe for kids. This is not. <laughs> and it's, okay. So then yeah. he, the the book the bo- uh, bookstore owner goes to answer the, the phone. While he does that, Bastion makes off of the book, but leaves the note, oh, I'll return it. But the the store owner, like, after he hangs up the phone, he looks out where Bastion was and starts mm-hmm. to smile 
but then looks down to notice that the book is gone. So did he did he want to have Bastion take the book? What do you think, uh, Lauren? I'm going to say yes, because at the end when they were like, we need a human child, I think that was the thing. They needed a child that was worthy enough, one that wasn't playing I don't know, Pong back then. I don't know what video game would have been <laughs> trans the kid that he wasn't reading. 84. Um, hmm. Galaga. Yeah. Uh, Donkey Kong. I don't know. Pac-Man. Was that, thing. Did Mario even, Mario's not even that old, is it? Jumpman uh, was existing then? I don't know. I mean, I had a Game Boy with Tetris in the 90s. It was before the so NES, I think, right? Yeah. In yeah. 84, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I could go down a, a whole hole there, but I do. I think he was looking for a kid that was worthy. And I think he realized sure. as soon as he saw that kid read, yeah, he wanted him to take the book so he could save Fantasia. That makes sense. So Bastion makes off of the book. He arrives to school late. Uh, he, he's missing the math test. So the next next best thing, run up to the attic <laughs> where you where apparently you know where the hidden key is uh, and start reading uh, reading the book instead. He says, oh, no, math. <laughs> it's so relatable. Yeah. Which he peek, he peeks through this tiny little like peek hole in the mm. doors, which my school doors did not have tiny little peek holes that were six and a half feet in the air. Uh, my schools didn't have attics. No, neither did mine. Uh, that, that was another thing I made a note. This school has an attic? What building are they in? Mm. Hogwarts, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was the room of requirement. So he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bastion gets up to the attic, uh, pulls out a, 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 I don't know, like a gym mat and just plops down on it, begins reading. And we meet our first cast of characters in the land that we will know as Fantasia. And one of my favorite people arrives right away, the Rockbiter. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he actually has a name. I think he's just Rockbiter. I think mm-hmm. so, too. We find out that he's traveling south because his home has been destroyed. Everything has disappeared. There's nothing left. And then we know uh, we also meet the Night Ho- uh, Nighthob, who is from the south, where the same thing has happened. And Teeny Weeny from the west, he's got the racing snail. And all three of them have said, yep, everything's gone. The no- It's turning to nothing. We got to get to the Ivory Tower, which uh, this is my first look at things, you know, seeing the snail in the back going, you know what? It's you can tell it's from the '80s, but it doesn't look awful. No. Yeah, they put some money into it. I mean, it's very creative, like you mentioned, Zach. Um, the, just the amount of detail that goes into this stuff is nuts. Uh, the rock biter, the scale of it, like looks better mm-hmm. than a Godzilla movie of the time. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I thought he looked um, like if the troll from Frozen had a baby with the giant snowman from Frozen. Oh, you get the rock <laughs> that's my yep. head cannon now. <laughs> they were judging him a little bit though they're like because he was eating the rocks and they're like sure that's why all the rocks are gone sure it's not because you ate them yeah mm-hmm. they were they were a bit ju- i mean the night hob seemed to be a bit judged teeny weeny not so much he mm-hmm. revi- he has a nice little mad hatter hat on that's right um i love how they each have their own ways of transportation we've got a narcoleptic yes. bat for night hob <laughs> yeah. we've got a racing snail for teeny he's, weeny he's just nocturnal yeah, so true. Uh, Rockbiter has a freaking bicycle. Yes. Yeah. Which it was like I a bulldozer bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the, uh, the the Flintstone front wheel from their car yes. just mowing That's everything exactly. down. Yeah. Mm, that was limestone <laughs> with a oh. dash of quartz. <laughs> Very tasty. Where, where, where I come from in the north. We used to have exquisite gourmet rocks. Only now, now, 
I will say I love the rock biters gravelly voice. Yes. And yeah, he voiced so quite a few people. That was Alan Oppenheimer. He was okay. the rock biter. He was Falcor. He was Gamork. Uh, He's and the narrator. Both. What? Oh, wow. I did not realize that. Yeah, he voiced for I heard it with Gamork. Gamork sounds very much like hmm. Rockbiter. Falcor, I, he changed it enough that I didn't really know it was him. Hmm. But uh either way, all three travelers are taking off the ivory tower, and right before they they leave, we see the nothing arrive where they are. And then we get to the actual ivory tower, which uh, is very impressive. Matte painting in the background, but then an oh, actual yeah. model built into the middle of a, a mountain. And this is where we get a cast of different characters. Pretty impressive makeup and everything. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of this. The multiple this is... faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My we had, we had a few of those. CGI. I'm like, this isn't CGI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that didn't exist then. There's a couple... Um, minor star wars references in the wide shot and it's funny because like i when i watched it i was like i'm getting some real star wars vibes and then i watched a like a making of thing or like a behind the scenes thing it was a trivia thing whatever and it was talking about how in that scene there's like references to like yoda and c3po and stuff but they're just like in the background like just the sil- I thought that was all in my head because like I had been watching <laughs> Phantom Menace earlier in the day on the oh, treadmill okay. and then I had watched that at night. I was like, this is just my own head and because it's the 80s because it was a year after <laughs> mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. For sure. But that's really cool. Yeah. And that makes sense. But yeah, know? I do love the designs here. And again, um, Zach, you mentioned the matte painting. Oh my God, this might be the best matte painting in cinema history. And it works so well because the way it's presented and the music, the way it swells. But there's like this glow to the ivory tower and then you get the trees in the foreground, which are like blowing in the wind slightly. And it just adds that extra layer of like, this feels real, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. really plays like a trick on your mind. Yeah. Again, you can look at it. You can you can tell it's you 80s, can, but it still sure. look it still looks good. Right. Yeah. You can still respect it. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. I'm going to say it's fun to see the practical effects because we rarely get to see that these days. Yeah, for no, sure. That, that is something that Eric and I, whenever we see it in an old movie, we always <laughs> pounce on and go, man, did you, did you see it. the practical effects? They look great. And then like, when we get some crappy ones or more more than likely, eventually the crappy CGI that doesn't hold up two years later, yeah. we tear yeah. the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. So we have quite a cast of characters there. They are all hoping to speak to the Empress uh, that she can uh, can save them. But we learn that the Empress has fallen ill. She is dying. And it seems to be connected to the nothing. They don't really explain it other than the nothing is here. Hmm. The Empress is also falling ill. So she is unable to save Fantasia. But not all hope is lost. We we do have a potential savior, a warrior who hunts the purple buffalo. Um, and uh, you find out that his name is Atreyu, a, a plains warrior. And then this is our first hint that there is more to the story than just what we're reading because Bastion, we see him in the real world and he looks at his, I think, backpack and there is a Native American uh, fighting a buffalo. Um, Yeah, the purple buffalo line was such an interesting, like a little bit of world building. Yeah, it's it's like enough from earth but not quite yeah you know they have yeah. similar animals similar creatures to earth they me- they measure in miles uh but they don't know what a human is 
One mm. and the look of the wizard in that scene is so freaking cool. Like the beard and everything, the the weird shape on his head, like just very imaginative. I will say though, Treyu is probably one of the few things that didn't age well because yeah, they set him up as to be a Native American, and then you see this kid, and he is not Native American. No, but finding yeah. out that it was a German movie that you know they had a, a a cast outside of the states, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, but still, it was the eighties. I was like, that's yeah. not what I expected that kid to look like. <laughs> but yeah. he was wearing all that's the appropriate point. garb. Not <laughs> <appropriate> either. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not that makes it so much better. <laughs> mm. we've co- when, you, when you look at Prey, we've come a long way in terms of yes. American representation. <laughs> yes. Well, that was they actually had people working on that movie actually fr- you know, that were Native American and actually Native American people playing mm. Native American people. Go figure. Yep. They did it right. <laughs> so we do meet Atreyu, who is uh, a little boy. At first, all the people are, are a bit skeptical, but uh, they eventually, <laughs> he wins them over when he's like, yeah, fine. Screw you. I'm going to leave. You, right, you he's like, what me? else are you going to do? <laughs> yep. So uh, so he is going to be the savior. And they say, well, good. You're our savior. Leave all your weapons. <laughs> Don't bring your weapons. Don't bring your gear. You're not allowed to do that. But uh, if you fail, everyone loses. Everything's d- destroyed. No pressure. Uh, but they do, yeah. So he leaves all of his gear, but they give him the Arin, which is the t- the snakes that are eating each other or just crawling over each other, you know, on the on the front of the book, mm-hmm. and it is going to protect him. And we also learn at the very same time that the Nothing has sent forth its champion, the giant direwolf named Gmork, to hunt down Atreyu and kill him. And then we get to see again more similarities between. Fantasia and the real world. Atreyu starts to eat lunch. Bastion in, is in the real world and he's starting to eat lunch. But then he's like, no, wait, not yet. Not so much. We got to save, <laughs> save more for our journey through the book. Just like Atreyu and his horse. And this is where uh, we learn the horse's name, Artax. They're on the search for Morla, one of the oldest and wisest creatures of Fantasia. But in order to find her, they must cross the swamp of sadness. And this is the part that I think if you've watched Never Ending Story, at least for me, this is the part that immediately jumps to my mind is, oh, swamps of sadness. Well, all the swamps back then in the quicksand, like I saw me one time, I was like, uh, I encountered quicksand a lot less in adulthood than I expected to based on all the, you know, movies <laughs> right. from the 80s. In the 80s, they made it seem like quicksand could spring up around the corner. You go around yeah. the wrong side of your house and then you just disappear. You're like, oh, God. Right. I mean, I live in Florida. We do have sinkholes, but I've never come across quicksand. <laughs> I did uh, look up because I had mentioned I looked up fun facts and I guess it took them a very long time to teach the horse how to drown because the horse kept uh, moving and wanting to get out. And so they had yeah, him on like a hydraulic platform. And, but I mean, yeah. And the kids even pulling the horse, this poor horse. Like, was this before like laws where you couldn't harm animals while filming? Probably. <laughs> I would think so. Point. <laughs> I was yes. wondering about that, too, during that scene. That poor horse is so confused. The yeah. Swamps of Sadness. What do you mean? You want me to stay? But you're. Pu- I'm very confused. So the Swamps of Sadness have their name because if you let the sadness overtake you, that is when you begin to sink into the swamp. So as long as you're happy and chipper uh, and optimistic, you'll be fine. But as we're watching it, we see that Atrax is beginning to become sad and we watch him slowly disappear to the point of pretty much drowning, and then it just cuts away to Atreyu being 
miserable. Vortex, please. You're letting the sadness of the swamps get to you. You have to try. You have to care. For me. You're my friend. I love you. Right, and he's then sad, him, but he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, well, he starts to sink eventually, yeah. you know. And then, uh, right, and also, at this point, Gamork is closing in on him through the Swamp of Sadness. And, uh, I mean, right right about this point was when I started scheduling my next appointment with my therapist again. Because it's bringing up, <laughs> bringing up all sorts of feelings that I had fuck, forgotten about, that I thought as an adult I could not feel. Yeah, for a kid's movie, it's pretty uh, dark. Um, pretty pretty traumatic this scene um but i do like the metaphor here because it is like it's about depression right like it's this mm-hmm. sinking and like don't give up yeah exactly so like that part like yeah that really hit me you know as an adult you know mm-hmm. in a different way and as a kid you're just like why did the horse die i don't understand you know but like you know it takes on a whole new meaning if you look at it from a different angle Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for, I know you said your your daughter was mad at this point of the movie. Well, so because you know I didn't really remember the movie at all. I knew the horse had died because uh, I've seen you know gifts and you know a little bit of yeah. my memory with the horse, <laughs> but mainly just the flying dog. And I was like, wow, it's only a half hour in because we had to pause it then because yeah. we had to watch Yellow Jackets. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was just like, holy crap! They didn't even let us get attached to the horse that much. They really just straight out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at how fast. You know, it's almost like watching Lion King. It's like, oh, you know, there's Mufasa. You're done for. But I mean, we had more time with Mufasa. But this was yeah. one of the parts that Matt actually texted me like, did they seriously just kill the horse? And so I sent him <laughs> back a meme that it was like, you know, your therapist. So when did your depression start? And it's a picture of a tray trying to pull a horse out of the mud. Going back to what you said about having to, you know, yeah. schedule a therapist appointment. I, again, there was, there was parts of this film that I went, why am I feeling so many feelings? And just like you said, Lauren, we didn't really have a lot of time to get attached to our tax, but just how everything played out, like you felt sad. You, f- yeah. you felt bad because of the situation. Well, and well, you're th- supposed to be like from the perspective of the little boy and like, what is he going to do now? Yeah. And then we see, we see Atreyu, he's trudging through the swamp. He finally makes it to Shell Mountain, where apparently Morla is, uh, the ancient one. And she's not there until he calls her name. And then it's revealed that he was standing on her back. She is a, or he, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but it is a giant turtle uh, that was in the mud. And at that point, Bastion lets out a scared scream in the, in the real world, which Morla and Atreyu react to, which then Bastion reads them reacting to them uh, and just sits there going, How, this is impossible. They couldn't hear me scream. This is just a book. Or is it? It's a pretty mind-blowing moment. I mean, as a kid, you know, first time watching it, like, what? At, at this point, you're definitely going, huh, this is, this is weird. Why are they hearing him scream? Yeah. So we learn that Morla, Morla really doesn't care. Morla has been around for thousands of years, doesn't really care that nothing is coming. Um, also apparently allergic to youth for some reason. Just <laughs> I cracked up. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I, would, but be, I beg the question. Relatable. It's like, no. so <laughs> how old do I have to be? If you're right. thousands of years old, even if I'm like 90, are you still going to sneeze at me? Because I'm younger than you, or is it youth depending on just me? 
Hmm. Maybe it's just, yeah, your your level of annoyingness as a child. <laughs> How uh, annoying yeah. is this child? Swing on over to Morla. <laughs> Depending on how much you get sneezed on. Also kind of an interesting golem kind of situation going on here because uh, Morla is like talking to themselves. Like a, oh, the like third a, person thing? Yeah, third right. person. She kept saying we. And we, we and, yep. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I guess, I mean, yeah, you know, it's this been a thousand thing... years. Yeah, you got to talk to someone. Yeah, you start to lose your mind. <laughs> but this scene actually reminded me of Jurassic Park with the sneezing, especially because oh. he was like covered in mud at the, that moment. And like, you know, the little yeah, girl's all dirty. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The brachy, yeah, when he asked Brachiosaurus, him, what kind of dinosaur is this? Yeah. <laughs> so Morla says, um, you got to go south. You got to go find the Southern Oracle. I can't help you, but they would be able to give you the amp- information to cure the Empress. So then Bastion decides to um, keep reading instead of going home to, to, to his dad, even though the attic at this point, he's noticing that it's very creepy. School is closing and a thunderstorm is rolling in. We're continuing through the swamp of sadness in Fantasia. Uh, Atreyu is starting to succumb to the sa- sadness. Gamork uh, is closing in. And then a giant white dog dragon appears out of the air and saves him. Which, Lauren, this is really what you remembered was Falcor, the giant flying dog dragon. Literally the only thing I remember. <laughs> I mean, all the scenes with the kid flying on it, like that's just always mm-hmm. what I pictured in my head. Oh, yeah. There was a few in the 80s movies that I used to mix up. Like I would get in my memory as an adult, I would get this and Flight of the Navigator mixed up. And then when we got oh, Disney wow. Plus, that was one of the first things we watched was Flight of the Navi- Navigator. I don't know why I would get them confused. That's great. I mean, there's flying in both, and they're both from mm-hmm. the 80s. That's probably about the only comic, and they're both about a, a young boy. Kids, yeah. I got nothing else. There is a part here that I do that I um, that I mix up um, that we're getting to. Atreyu ends up waking up, uh, you know, in the arms of, of Falcor, the Luck Dragon, um, and we find out that, that Fal- yeah, he he, I like children. <laughs> I like children. Oh Jesus! Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that that eat? line. <laughs> no, oh man, that was a good Didn't. response. <laughs> uh, so we find that uh, Falco has brought a Treyu most of the way to the Southern Oracle. It was it was like ten thousand miles for a Treyu to get there. Falco flew him like nine thousand eight hundred and twenty-one. So yeah. he's pretty close, but not all the way. Then we meet Urgle, uh, a healer. And Enjiwook, uh, a scientist, they're a little bit smaller than humans. And these two, in my mind, I always switch out with Billy Crystal's character and his oh, wife from Storm in the Castle. From yes, Princess, Princess Bride. Bride yeah. From Princess yeah. Bride. Like I, in my mind, they're interchangeable because sure. um, as they're as they're you know they've healed Atreyu, and uh, Enjiwook wants to. Te- tell him about the Southern Oracles because he is the expert and everything. And he says, quote, at one point, to the winch wench. <laughs> That's something for some reason stuck stuck out in my mind as a kid. Uh, and again, re- it was interchangeable with Princess Bride. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cute characters. But what I love about their dynamic is that like one represents logic and the other's wisdom. It's like science and yes. mysticism. And I just freaking love that it's not the kind of thing that like i noticed as a kid but like again revisiting in it you know just the other day i was like oh shit there's like 
actual like symbolism and stuff going on here, you know? Atreus mm-hmm. brought up to the top of the mountain where we see a little, you know, telescope and we see the very first gate where we learn that most people don't actually make it past it because they don't have any self-worth. And we see a knight is approaching yeah. the gates and Angie Wook goes, Oh, maybe he'll make it. He, and he just gets blasted apart. You know, the eyes mm-hmm. of the Oracle of the um, Sphinx is open and they kill the knight. So Atreus says, you know what? Without asking any questions, he's like, I'm going to do it. Just takes off on the, on his way down to the Sphinx. And NG Wilkes yelling after him, you don't even know about the second gate yet, which apparently is far worse than the first one. But Atreyu's confident. He He's confident all the way up till he sees the dead body. And then yeah. he starts yeah, to doubt himself. Part, yeah. And then we go back and forth between Bastion and Atreyu with Bastion going, look, you got to run. You got to do it. He's edging uh, Atreyu on. And then Atreyu listens to him, jumps out of the way, makes it through. NG Wook, uh, you know, loses his mind. He's all excited, runs back <laughs> down to Urgle and Falcor. But then he, you know, to us, the viewers, ex- explains the next gate where Atreyu must face his true self. Kind people will find out that they're cruel. Uh, brave men will find out that they are cowards. And when confronted by their true selves, most people will run away screaming. That was interesting. So Atreyu then reaches the second gate, which looks like a giant mirror and sees his true self, which just turns into Bastion reading the book. And then Bastion reading the book, probably like I would have at this point, chucks (laughs) the book across the room. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what is this sorcery? Get it away from me. Exactly. I think if I read a book, I think if I read a book that was dictating my life, what was happening at that moment, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would want to keep reading it. I, I think I yeah. would, but I would also probably chuck the book a couple times while reading it. That's a scene from Supernatural. He's like, I'm reading about myself sitting in a laundromat reading about myself. He goes, my oh. head hurts. <laughs> yeah, for real. they come across the prophet. But um, I want to go back to the Sphinxes real quick. So the guy who wrote the yeah. books, you probably know this fun fact. He said, this, this is a quote, the Sphinxes are quite one of the biggest embarrassments of the film. <laughs> then goes to say, on, they are full bosomed strippers who sit there in the desert. They were they pretty are. like, I my mean, husband goes, they didn't have fake boobs in the 80s. I'm like, well, it looks like they did. <laughs> I mean, those, they, they just kind of perfect, perfectly yeah. round, just right there. Does it... I'm looking at a picture of them right now. And the way they're, it's... well, and then my daughter's like, her butt's big. I'm like, she's not, that's not a human butt. <laughs> yes. Here's here's a sphinx. There, there are a few right. different animals and humans kind of together. Uh, but yeah, it looks like she's also, you know, sticking her boobs out. Yeah, very uh, prominent. It got a particular yeah. uh, presentation, I guess. Cho- choices were made. I mean, it's very 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Choices. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Here yeah, and then they again. Did it again, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, no comment. I don't know. <laughs> but the mirror, I think that makes sense. You see your true self because, you know, the story is a reflection of the, the kid reading it. You know, obviously there's parallels between the two. Mm-hmm. definitely well and but i it, like the idea behind the second challenge because it's kind of like you have to face your shadow self you know everyone kind of mm-hmm. has this side to them that they don't really you know show a lot of times you know so i it's think like, that's um what was the movie crash 
where like the guy who thinks he's not racist ends up like yes. killing the black guy and then the guy that is openly racist ends up saying like yeah so it's kind of like one of those things like are you fight or flight sometimes you don't know till you're there exactly yeah and some people have some like inner work they got to do you know and all, you know not a lot of people are willing to do that you know and like really work through their issues and stuff so again there's like all kinds of therapy stuff going on with this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why that's the first generation that openly goes to therapy <laughs> in, the 80s, in the 90s this is yeah. why <laughs> yeah we're watching never-ending story in the 80s or 90s. <laughs> we got to reach out to uh, Cinema Therapy on YouTube about this movie. I don't know if they've covered it yet, but it's kind of <laughs> perfect. <laughs> they should. So Atreyu, uh, Bastion picks the book back up. Atreyu uh, walks through the mirror, continues on his way down to the two Blue Sphinx, which are now the the Oracle. Um, again, they just repainted the golden ones. Now they're blue. We have been So they he learns that in order to save Fantasia, it's very simple. The Empress just needs a new name. We don't know what her current name is, but she needs a new one. Atreyu says, well, that's super easy. I can give her one right now. But apparently the catch is it has to be a human child to give her the name. And humans don't exist in Fantasia. The only way to find one is to head out beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. And then the Southern Oracles begin to crumble due to the nothing. So then Falcor and Atreyu, they take off uh, to find the boundaries of Fantasia. And we get a, a fun montage helicopter shot from all over the world in different environments where we're listening to that sweet slapping beats of the never-ending story remix theme song. Mm-hmm. It's like soaring at Epcot. The, yeah, <laughs> it really is. Some good footage there too. I was trying to figure out where a lot of it was from because some of it looked like the Grand Canyon, like some of it kind of looked like uh, Nevada. But I think most of the shots were in Spain, from what I read. But I could be wrong. A lot of mountain shots, desert shot. Like they, they're just going over everything, trying to All get to the it. end of a Fantasia. Now, back in the real world, Bastion imagining them. Uh, imagines them asking him uh, to name the Empress uh, because he would name her his mother's name, which was so beautiful. Atreyu and Falcor end up running into the nothing, throws Atreyu from Falcor uh, while simultaneous, simultaneously also distracting Bastion in the real world with a, with a storm outside. Again, more parallels between Fantasia and the real world. Atreyu then wakes up unharmed on a beach somewhere with a nothing moving in and continuing to destroy Fantasia. He's lost the iron, or, or, or however I say that, the thing with the stuff, the medallion. <laughs> Steven Spielberg owns the original one. He that's does. Right. I yep, just, I looked down at my fun facts website and that's what it said. Allegedly he, he keeps it on his desk or something? cut the US version of the film. Yeah, so allegedly he keeps it on his desk or something. I don't know if he still does, but um, that's what I read. Oh. Um, and huh. yeah, I didn't realize there's multiple versions of this movie because, yes, yeah, Spielberg helped to edit the American version of it. Which I guess makes sense because, yeah, obviously there's a German version. Seven minutes shorter. Yeah, so that's interesting because I, I feel like the pacing's perfect. Yeah, they said it needed to be quicker for U.S. audiences. And he learned his editing technique from George Lucas. Oh, that's cool. 
It's all kinds yeah, of They've worked together on a movie or two. Yeah. yeah. This is why Grogu is just from E.T.'s home planet. I don't know why everybody's confused. <laughs> they're, they're cousins. <laughs> Distantly related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treyu is searching for Falcor, and he meets Rockbiter. Uh, we learn that uh, Rockbiter and his two friends, Teeny Weenie and uh, Night Hob, they were pulled out of his strong hands by the nothing. So he feels that he has failed, and so he is, Rockbiter is just going to wait for the nothing to come and take him too. That was sad. It was a gut punch. That again, right, right in the heartstrings of why you're. I don't, I don't know you that much. I just know you from the first five minutes, and here you are making me depressed too. They look like big, good, strong hands, don't they? I always thought that's what they were. My little friends, the little man with his racing snail, the night hub, even the stupid bat. I couldn't hold on to them. The nothing pulled them right out of my hands. Damn this movie. These big strong hands and I couldn't even help. The people he just yeah. met, yeah. and he still feels bad that he couldn't save them. Mm-hmm. That was very sad. I think he might have been my favorite character. Oh, he's great. Yeah, Rockbiter is. Yeah, he's not in it. Yeah, Falcor's in it a bit more, but sure. Rockbiter is 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 a favorite. The nothing will be here any minute. I will just sit here and let it take me away too. They look. Like good, strong hands, don't they? Hey, everyone remembers Falcor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you don't. Well, I was going to say you don't forget a giant flying dog lizard, but I guess you shouldn't forget a giant rock man <laughs> yeah. either. But the side of a mountain walking around <laughs> eating smaller hills. Yeah. <laughs> like he calls it like gourmet granite. Oh, yeah. I love these gourmet stones. <laughs> With a hint of limestone. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Atreyu then finds uh, ruins of a castle um, you know, that have all these different moments that he has uh, experienced painted on the walls. And then he gets to the final one, which is uh, Gamark, <laughs> Gamork, I should say, uh, this giant dire wolf. Uh, right behind him, so he finally comes face to face with his other other half or other side. Gamork, in a way, breaks the fourth wall here because he begins talking about how Fantasia is humanity's fake world, the imagination that we create. Because without you know, it, that's why it has no boundaries. But mm-hmm. the nothing is a man- manifestation of the loss of hopes and dreams of the real world. Hence why Fantasia is beginning to disappear because more and more humans are not reading books and they're not imagining. So Fantasia will cease to exist. It's a lot like uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman um, because that's also Mm -hmm. about like the world of dreaming and, you know, people aren't dreaming Mm -hmm. enough or something. And, you know, there's, there's some very similar themes going on with that, which I thought was kind of cool. Never really made that connection before. I sort yeah. of wonder if Neil Gaiman was inspired by this, or I guess it's just maybe th- these are just kind of like mythological things, you know, out in the ether. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, you know, 
there, there's stuff these stories really pull on threads from way older tales you know uh greek mythology yeah, like a lot of the mythology. newer creators have the same inspirations from back in the day mm-hmm. oh yeah that. archetypes and all that well also i feel like you see this in every generation yeah, it's like kids don't you know use their imagination enough it's like the fact that they were saying that in the early 80s and it's like oh kids are on ipads too much now they don't go outside and play and it's like it's <laughs> just been story. every generation just says this about the then yeah the new one exactly it just evolves so we have a very short battle with Atreyu fighting Gamork, which we don't really see. Gamork leaps out of the cave at Atreyu, <laughs> and Atreyu <laughs> stabs him off off screen with a... Uh, it was like a Dexter kill, just right where he needed to stab him. Yep, right mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, it was bloody, uh, too. Right in the chest. G- Gamork is bleeding and kicking and, and dies, a giant wolf puppet. Atreyu has some scratches on him. The nothing begins to consume the ruins. Meanwhile, Falcor has uh, dived down into the ocean, finds the the iron, and rescues Atreyu. And then they make their way back tor- towards the ivory tower, which this part also made you feel awful because you're now looking around and Fantasia is nothing but clumps of rock floating in space that that is the world now and you're seeming that like everything's hopeless everything's been destroyed uh but then we do see that the ivory tower does still exist the ivory tower atreyu finally gets to the empress's sanctum nobody else is there everyone's gone or has been consumed by the nothing he finally meets the empress confessing that he failed her because he was unable to find the human. But then this is where we start getting meta, as you said, uh, Eric, because the oh, Empress goes, yeah. no, no, you, you you did succeed because he's here. The earthling child is, is with us. And she breaks the fourth wall, like I said, talking about to Bastion breaking the wall to him, but then also us as a viewer is going, there's other people watching along, watching his journey as well. Then we start jumping back and forth between Fantasia and the real world. Bastion continues to question even more now is like, is this really about, they can't be talking about me. It can't be me. It's just a book. This is silly. But he is fighting with something his dad told him earlier in the, in the film is that you can't be running around with your head in the clouds. You can't be imagining. You can't essentially stop being a kid Mm -hmm. and keep your feet on the ground. So He's struggling with that, one, as we would if I was reading, any of us was reading a book dictating our lives of what we're doing, and two, everything that his dad said. So we're having character growth. (laughs) So as the ivory tower begins to crumble, the empress directly pleads to Bastion, crying to save them and call out her new name, which Bastion says, fine, I will do it. And he runs up to to the window that's been blown open and calls out his mother's name which even with the the closed captioning on, the film didn't know what the mother's name was. And I had to go look it up. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't figure it out either. Oh, really? Yeah. In closed captioning, when he screams his mother's name, it just says yelling. Really? Oh, okay. The mother's name is Moonchild. Yep. His mom oh, was okay. a hippie. Or his mom's Native yeah. American name? Parents were hippies. Don't know? I don't know. Mother- oh, it was like the whole Dharma Greg thing, like the hippie married the businessman. <laughs> I'm Maybe. assuming that's Maybe yeah. That was that's, it. That makes sense. That tracks. Man, Greg grows up to be a bit of a douche. 
<laughs> it happens. <laughs> he screams out, Moonchild, everything goes dark. And then uh, we have a little little bit of light, and Bastion is now face-to-face with the, with the Empress. And he's not really not phased by it at all. He's just mm. now fully committed. All that remains is a single grain of sand of Fantasia. It has been destroyed. But Bastion, yelling the Empress's name, allowed this tiny grain to still exist. And Bastion believes that it's all lost, that it was all in vain. But the Empress said, no, Fantasia can always rise as long as there's hopes and dreams. And Bastion can be the one to uh, to create that. She then hands him the grain of sand, and all Bastion has to do is make a wish. And the more wishes he makes, the better Fantasia, Fantasia will become. So what is his first wish? It's to ride on a giant dog-faced luck dragon and chase down his bullies. And uh, one gets trampled by uh, trash and his friends, and the other two uh, jump into the dumpster as Falcor roars by. Laughing maniacally. Yes. You kid keeps fist pumping. It's like, hold on to that dog dragon. Like, you're going to fall off. You already did. Yeah. So then we get the... uh, we get the narrator uh, stating how Bastion um, it makes many other wishes, has many other adventures before he returns to the ordinary world. But that is another story. And then more awesome slapping uh, theme music. Oh, man. The synthesizers in this. So good. It's pure 80s. It really pure is. 80s. We don't get music like this anymore. Well, we're starting to. There, there's some pop artists that are starting to like dig into that well <laughs> <laughs> so some of it's coming back yeah i remember my mom being like your generation has nothing original and then i hear my kids listening to music i'm like i know this song that's not it yeah they're just yeah, redoing it all yeah over but when and it over ended and over i was like did they have big hopes for this to keep doing stories and i didn't even realize there was a sequel till i hopped on with you guys and i was like oh shit yeah so, so- from what i was reading <laughs> about it the the first film is roughly the first half of the book that's right that, the yeah. second film covers more like some of the first part of the book but more of the second part of the book and the third film is a completely original plot, not based on the book whatsoever. And I it's never, a, I didn't know the third one existed just like you, Lauren, until, oh, until man. I opened up the page today. And the second uh, one I did see in nine, 1990. That's a big jump though. Like a six year gap. Yeah. It's a while. Um, I unfortunately do know about the third movie. It is not good. Like, Okay, the second one isn't great, but the third one's like a way bigger drop down in quality. It's like it's like Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. It's like it's become a spook <laughs> of the entire franchise and it should burn to the ground, you know? Um, Ooh. But yeah, it, it's pretty bad. The one highlight of the third movie is that Jack Black's in it. A young Jack Black plays yes. the bully oh. in that movie so that that's kind of interesting but that's about it it's oh it is so painfully bad the the rock biter here's the one scene i'll leave you guys with the rock biter has a whole uh like song in the movie where he sings born to be wild or something it's 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 awful 
like it's a remake awful. of the born to be wild. Yeah, but it, I think they changed the lyrics or something. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's just going from like the nihilistic dread of the first one to that. It was just like, just end it here, you know? So it goes from the 80s to the 90s. Yeah, so it's the just... third one, I want to say, was early 2000s. Might have been late 80s. I'm not 100% positive. Oh, I think wow. it was straight No, no. The, the, the third, third one was 94. Oh, okay. So mid nineties. Wow. It, hmm. All right. Yeah. The other thing I never saw it, but it looks like special creature effects were provided by Jim Henson's creature shop. Mm. Oh, that's cool. So I don't know if the creatures look good, Eric, but, um, nah, plot wise, nah. it sounds like garbage. Yeah. Plot so other wise. Than the rock did a lot of other characters show up. Falcor's on the cover and he looks even more like a dog. Yeah. They, they even changed. Though he's not a dog in the book. <laughs> it's actually really frustrating if you go through all the movies because like they keep redesigning all the characters every time and they recast everyone every time because they took too many years to make them. Um, the second yep. one has its moments and it definitely has like a way bigger budget and you can tell like this one's more of an American production, uh, but it just, they were kind of catering more towards kids. I feel like Jonathan Brandis is Bastion. Uh, it, you know, they really, ah. they kind of, you know what I mean? So it kind of, kind of ruined the magic of that first one. They just couldn't recapture the lightning in a bottle. Uh, and apparently there was a Canadian series, which I haven't seen, but that was on HBO in like the early two thousands. Um, but it looks pretty hmm. cheap. You get the original flash. John Wesley ship was Mr. Bucks in the second one. And Jonathan Brandis was Bastion. Yeah, I remember That's his right. dad yeah, not being dad. such a dick in the second film. He was totally different. Yeah. I believe he's a main character in the second one. Because that guy can't play a dick, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to uh, the original one, the good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the only so one that what matters. So what were some of your favorite, what were some of your favorite parts from the film, Lauren? Oh, some of my favorite parts. Now I'm looking yeah. at pictures of John. Oh, wow. Yeah, he looks more like a dog. He looks more like Lady from Lady in the Tramp. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things you have to see it to believe it, you know. But you don't have to watch yeah. it. Wow. I, I recommend Is that a rock baby? The sequels. Yes. The, he does. The rock biter does have a son show up in the second film. I remember oh, that. Oh. oh, there can be so many jokes made about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite parts from the first movie. It's, you know, it's hard because it's like, I don't remember this movie, so I can't go back and watch it through the eyes of myself as a child. So I literally watched this movie, you know. Kind of fresh again. Right. As a 39-year-old watching it with my 10-year-old who just made fun of it the whole time, even though she kept getting sucked into it and was enjoying it. But she wouldn't stop making fun of it either. Um, So it was a little bit harder for me to like fully get into the movie. Um, But I would say probably my favorite part was... I don't maybe when he was flying on the dog because that was you know that was when I had the nostalgic feels. So I mean okay. I, I feel like I feel like that's a cop out kind of but no, that was hey, honestly the part the, I enjoyed the most. The answer is for you, whatever it is for you. I don't have a deeper answer. I just like the flying dog. That's fine. Everyone <laughs> loves a flying dog. Eric, what about you? Oh man, it's got to be just the reveal of the ivory tower. You know, that always sparked my imagination growing up. Um, And then it still hits, you know, I guess it's nostalgia at this point, but like the way that the music, like, I guess it's the music, really the music, the soundtrack in this is incredible. I think it's very eighties again, but like, it just, you just, there's nothing like it these days, you know? Yeah. 
And yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure what my son's gonna think when he watches this. <laughs> you know how, yeah. how well he's gonna take it. All the set designs and everything. He's going to judge you. <laughs> yeah. The creatures. Um, but again, with the ivory tower, I something I was thinking about this time is does that think I have an elevator? Because if that's just spiral stairs all the way cool. up, holy crap. Oh god. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, well, no. Maybe uh, flying creatures to take them upstairs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess it's got to be. It's got to be just you know the look of the movie, the sound, the practical effects, which I always go back to. But yeah, it's this is a good example of that done right. I'm I'm there with you with the practical effects. You know, I, they look good, um, and I'll get into some of the stuff that I think you know didn't age well. But true, um, just presentation design. Of the practical effects, I think looked really good. The the mm-hmm. matte paintings looked great. The tower looked great. Uh, music, I think, fit fit very well. Um, I think my two favorite part favorite parts are again anything with Falcor. Uh, yes. That's what brings me right back into the into the movie is you know the luck dragon flying around, um, and I think really any any of the the creative creatures like the opening scene with the racing snail and the rock biter um, and night hob and, and everything. I just, I love, I love rock biter. Those are my two oh, favorites, yeah. Falcor and rock biter. The fact that it's a movie about a book, you know, we don't get that a lot these days. There's a few of them out there, but tend to be older, you know, eighties movies, uh, princess bride, you know, uh, even labyrinth kind of, yep. but yeah, which we talked about in a previous episode. Go check that out. <laughs> That's when I need to rewatch. I don't think I've watched that one since the early it's 90s. That, uh, you know, I'll say Labyrinth holds up a lot better. I the entire so. movie does, except for one part. There was one part where Eric, um, it was you, mm. me, and, and, and your lovely wife were talking about it. And there's really only one part that we all went, yeah, that didn't age well. Everything <laughs> else still looks great, I yeah. think. Totally. I mean, stuff from 15 years ago, you're like, ooh, didn't. but yeah, you got to take it for what it was when it came out. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Shit, stuff from five years ago sometimes looks like garbage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we're learning. Every day we're learning. The only the only rough part, there's two kind of rough parts, is any time where we were, where, where we had, uh, you saw it most with like Falcor when he would be flying. You could tell, be like, oh yeah, that's a rough animation right there of him, you know, on they're taking his character and trying to make it fly through, you know, sky or right. whatever. It's that like that a sticks animal out. on a stick <laughs> that you, you can tell, but like, all right, that's, that's For definitely sure. dated. Some of the blue screen with that. Yeah. And then if you had Falcor or I think I noticed it most with Falcor than like Rockbiter or, or, or uh, Gamork when they were speaking, you know, depending on how, how much they were mm. saying, that was a little rough because the animatronics, couldn't keep up with normal conversation that was, you know, a long sentence or anything. Yeah, Gamork had a lot of exposition. Yeah, his mouth has moved two or three times and he just said three sentences, you know, <laughs> but it's a kid's movie, you know, it's from the early 80s again, that it was the limitations of the animatronics of what they could do. Nothing like what you see at Disney by any means, you know, but that's that's just me. You know, a kid probably won't even pick up on it. They'll just be more mesmerized that there's a freaking dragon on my TV. <laughs> I don't know. The kids nowadays might. We didn't back then, but well, it yeah, depends on the true. age of the kid. Yeah. <laughs> a 10 year old was tearing it apart. 
Yeah, yeah. She's, she's harsh. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard because I again, this is one of those that I do have a lot of nostalgia for, so it's hard to pick apart. But yeah, they're like the things you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely, you can tell it's an older movie. You can tell that they didn't have the big, the biggest budget or whatever. But I don't know. That's where your imagination comes in. You know. <laughs> That sounds like a cop-out answer. It probably is. Hey, your answer is your answer. <laughs> Anything from you, Lauren? Uh, I will. Uh, what was the question? My daughter's in the kitchen opening chips. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> was, was there anything that stuck out for you that either, you know, you, you didn't like, didn't work, you know, oh, didn't, okay. didn't um, hold up well? Um, I, you know, I love the makeup. I think that was my favorite thing you talked about in the yeah. ivory tower. Like the people mm. with the three faces, like that was trippy. And like, at one yeah. point I feel like I'm like, I, all those eyes moved. How did they do that? So I yeah. felt like that really held up. Um, I think the thing outside of, of Falcor, you know, I keep calling him the flying dog, even though he's not even a dog was the, the <laughs> dire wolf just, you know, you're so used to like game of Thrones and like, you could yep. just tell that yeah. was just such a puppet. So <laughs> I feel like, point, and that yeah. even goes with the mouth lining up too. And just the kill scene was just too quick and too easy. Um, there needed to be a little bit more, you know, back and forth, kind of this or that. Uh, but I, you know, that would have been very difficult to do with a puppet and a child actor. Right. It would have been a guy in a bodysuit, uh, you know, that they borrowed from <laughs> Toho <laughs> and <that>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, trying to have them exactly. Fight. I, I'm glad yeah. you actually brought that wolf scene up because I, I do think that is the one thing where like I almost laughed at it because it just happened so fast and the wolf's dead and it's like, well, what just happened? Uh, but yeah, no, I think that was mm-hmm. just the filming limitation. Right. Meanwhile, I feel like the wolf could have just crushed the kid. Yeah. Right. I will say, though, I do think the child actors in this movie did a really good job because like it's very easy for that to go south. And I think, uh, you know, they got they got some good kid actors in this, so. Yeah, neither of them act today, mm-hmm. apparently. I had looked them up, and uh, it doesn't look like either of them act now. Have you seen photos of um, what Bastion looks like today? Because, I mean, wow, what a difference. He's got dreads and stuff. At least the photo I saw. <laughs> got like a big beard and stuff. Barrett Oliver. No. I'm looking at it. I have not. So I did just Google, you know, Never Ending Story 2 to look up the pictures oh, and yeah. I'm looking at the bird person and I'm like, that person looks so familiar. I feel like I did see this movie and I just don't remember. Oh wow. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he lives on like a compound. <laughs> right. The I just em- thought that was the Empress still kind of looks a lot like her her child self, Tam Tammy Stronach. Oh, she does, yeah. 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 But yeah, looking at um Bastion, like he did. Did you ever see the original Frankenweenie? No, no, I don't. Think so I, I watched not. a little bit of it, and it's it's interesting. I definitely prefer okay. the the Tim Burton one, but it yeah. says he was in the original Frankenweenie. I don't know if he was Victor or what. Huh, that's interesting. And the Secret Garden, and Cocoon. Oh, I so do he did a lot that. as a kid. Oh, Cocoon. Oh, that's a favorite of mine. That <laughs> movie. Oh, that yeah, should be on the Victor. list. And Daniel Stern plays his dad in that movie. Mm, okay. That's cool. I think it's on Disney Plus if you want to <laughs> tear that one apart. One, this one of these days, yeah. <laughs> I, I do got to check that out. Well, uh, I think that about wraps up uh, the never-ending story. I think we'll we'll end our last part of the movie with, what would you rate this out of 10? 
uh, going back and and watch. Sorry, no, out of five, we'll do because we do five. Out of right, five, Eric, oh. I think. Do we? <laughs> I think that's what we've done. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's been a while since we did one of these. All right. So, I out know, of five, rewatching this, I had. Uh, let's see. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Um, I think I'd give this a. I think it'd be about a four. You know, three and a half would be my low end for. I enjoyed it. Uh, I want to show it to Declan eventually someday. Um, it's it's got a good it got a good message to it, um, and it's yeah. it entices imagination. It tells you to be creative and be imaginative. Um, it's a bit dated at times, but I think it's a good solid movie. I I give it a four out of ten. Or sorry, four out of five, because I'm stupid and can't count. Four, <laughs> four out of ten. I didn't even wow, you hated it. Up. I was it. like, okay. <laughs> I hated this movie. Four out of five. Uh, Eric, what about you? I'm gonna give it a solid four point five. Um, again, part of that's probably nostalgia. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's for one for me. It's just one of those I could just like pick up and watch whenever you know. It, it had been a while since I'd seen it's one it. Of your but yeah, it's definitely, you know. It's good. So when I rate my beers, I don't rate it like, okay, this beer was a 4.5 <laughs> out of 5. I rate it on a scale of the best sour is a 5. So what is this mm. rate on the scale of sours rather than beers? Because obviously mm-hmm. I would rate an IPA higher than almost any sour. That makes sense. Um, so I'm going to rate this on a scale of 80s movies, not overall movies. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> so if for an 80s movie, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. Because I appreciate it for what it is, but it's not a movie that I would go back and and watch again anytime soon. Or even like, it's not in my realm of like, okay, like my kids have to watch Back to the Future. You know, they have to watch Gremlins. Like these are movies, they they don't have a choice. They're watching them whether they like it or not. This doesn't (laughs) fall in that that list for me. So I'm giving it a three out of five for 80s child movies because I can still appreciate it. And I loved mm-hmm. it, especially when you mentioned that there was intentional Star Wars references. That actually made yeah. me like it a little more. <laughs> that but... brought it up from a 2.5. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I just, for me, I, yeah, again, you guys both said nostalgia. I just don't remember it enough from, from the 80s to, to make it, you know, go higher. But yeah, there's other movies that, you know, certain movies we would talk about that I watched on repeat, like, Demolition Man. I mean, things that were on repeat in our house oh, that yeah. would probably wait, rate That's much higher one. than they deserve to be rated. <laughs> yeah. Nostalgia, I'm pretty sure, is a strong oh, driving force for this because I, I, I did not anticipate the, the emotional reaction I was going to have to parts of this going, why? I'm not cutting onions. Why am I leaking? What is happening? This is not. Right. What? Yeah. No. I am not crying while making notes. That's. Don't look at me. Don't judge me. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, my husband judges me in every Marvel movie. I just bring the <laughs> tissues now. Yeah. Well, they got us hooked now. <laughs> I, I'm the one that cries in movies uh, between my wife and I. She's always like over there, like rolling her eyes and laughing. <laughs> well, yeah, my daughter, again, the 10 year old, like she just started coming to the MCU movies. And I don't know if it was Sp- probably Spider-Man. And she goes, are you crying? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was nostalgia for me. That hit me in the in all sure. sorts yep. of memory feels. Definitely. Well, that's going to wrap up. A, I don't know how many more podcasts or disassemble episodes we have because we have our um, assembled season coming up. Right, Eric? That's right. 
Um, I don't know when this one's hitting, but we should have our Raiders of the Lost Ark episode coming out shortly. Uh, you know, getting uh, getting ready for our countdown for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So going through all of the indie films. That's like two months away. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, submit submissions are always open for anyone that wants to submit their audio. We put them all together in a very, that was, you know, the eighties style, uh, and work our way through the movies. And <laughs> exactly. it's a lot of fun. So Definitely. Lauren, if you're bored and you want to submit audio, it uh, just takes like five to 15 minutes of your time. Nice. That's, right. That's when I want to sit down and go through all those with my kids before the new one comes out. Oh, definitely. Good That's, opportunity. That's, then. That's the yeah. point of the podcast. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yep. Just training the next generation. This is what you have to watch. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also, we also want to thank our, uh, our Patreons that are out there, uh, you know, signing up so they can get some of the extra stuff. Uh, some of the stuff a little early. Uh, who do we have Eric again? Prince Harming and who else? Prince Harming and Erica Carroll. Uh, we've got a few others on there. They're they're just at the tier where we get to shout out their name every time. <laughs> we we call them out every time for That's throwing right. money towards us. So thank you very much. Well, we definitely much. appreciate it. Um, Helps us please, keep the show going. Yeah, please go uh, follow along with Hops Geek News as well. Uh, Lauren and Matt, he couldn't make it tonight, but you know, we'll have him on again. Lauren, where's the best way for people to find Hop, Hops Geek News? Uh, just it's just Hops Geek news we are on twitter instagram facebook the tiktok we're too old to be there but we're doing it anyways and yeah. you can find us on any podcasting platform and youtube we're having a lot of fun with the tiktok weirdly enough and my kids have taught me how to use it so that's been nice yeah i'm I'm, I'm holding out on that one but one of these days <laughs> just I mean, I mean it's a hard one because i want to tell you to just cave but it's also a little bit like it's like put the tiktok down step away like tiktok learns you faster than mm-hmm. anything has ever learned me like the content i was getting i mean it was disney marvel star wars supernatural and a sprinkle of politics i'm like holy Dang. crap this learned me fast yeah wow so i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little scary i am a little worried with my adhd so we'll see one of these days yeah, yeah. eric <laughs> eric stay off stay off tiktok yeah, it's <laughs> probably <pretty best>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i've been that's told before so <laughs> Well, Lauren, thank you very much again for joining us. Really appreciate your time and, and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your, your week, yeah, whatever you, you happen to be doing. Even though I rated it thank at three, so I'm glad I got us. to watch it after it's a, listening you can to the rate song these, nonstop for Yeah, years. no, no, no yeah, judgment. People, the judgment-free zone. People can rate them whatever. They can hate the movies. It's fine. <laughs> we just enjoy the company. For sure. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to watch it. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, until next time, podcasters, uh, go read a book or something, you degenerates. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, Probably Podcast Network. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble by looking us up on Twitter and Instagram at Casters Assemble. You can also help support this podcast by visiting patreon.com slash podcasters assemble voiceover by well me i mean random faceless man in front of a microphone in a basement goes by the first name dave last name steel that shouldn't be too hard to track down this episode was edited by zach derby thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode especially me Be sure to check the show notes for links to where you can find them all online. Thank you. 
If you're a fan of this podcast and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcasters' disassembled episodes. Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcastersassemble. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash podcastersassemble. Link in the show notes.